as you guys keep getting comfortable, and I hope you've all picked up um, these handouts that we have for you. The books over here are uh, Jill is going to talk about later. We're going to kind of tag team. She's uh, my partner in crime in uh, grief recovery, and um, we are specifically going to talk about what Watermark offers as far as grief recovery, and I'm just going to share my story briefly and not uh, that my story is not the focus of what we're going to talk about today, but it does give a little credibility as to why I'm why I serve in grief recovery. It's not that I'm overly compassionate. It's because the Lord just kind of knocked me between the forehead and said, here, I have something for you to do. Uh, for the sake of the recording, I'm Julie Nicholson, and I have been uh, a member uh, hanging around at Watermark for about 20 years, and I've seen a lot uh, through this area. I remember when this particular area was a parking lot. And um, my husband, Mark, works on staff, and he is in pastoral care. He didn't start out in pastoral care, so it's kind of interesting that grief recovery is his job now, and he's my boss, which is funny. Um, True, but funny. Um, A little bit about my story. Uh, Nearly 14 years ago, I was expecting triplets, and we had experienced infertility and loss along the way and thought, hey, this is awesome. We have an instant play group. This will be great. And at about six months, I went into preterm labor and delivered them to the Lord. And we, we had experienced the loss of grandparents and older relatives, but this just sent a shock to us that we, we needed help to process and to uh, just figure out what to do, what are our next steps. And uh, we had great community. Um, We had not only our uh, legitimate community group, but we had friends uh, in the community at large that really uh, came, watermarkies alongside us, uh, with food and um, just being really good friends, kind of like Job's friends. They were great friends until they opened their mouths. We had really great friends who did not try to throw Romans 8.28 at us, and um, that was a huge blessing. But that then sent us into, okay, God, we know that you're up to something. We know that you have a bigger picture, so help clue us in. Help us know what you want to do. And so we naturally started serving in Grief Share. That is the adult version of grief recovery that Watermark offers. And that is an international um, ministry that is all, truly all over the world. Um, you can go to griefshare.org, put in a zip code, and you can find 50 churches in the DFW area that offer it. Uh, Amanda is one of our leaders on Monday morning. Nikki is one of our leaders on Tuesday night. And um, it is 13 weeks. It is biblically based. And uh, there is uh, a day-by-day option that um, participants can go through to just sort of stay in the healing process. Um, When I think about grief recovery, I think about 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 5. And those of you who 
are doing the women's Bible study here on uh, Wednesday morning or Thursday night, you've, you've already covered this section. And it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. I didn't know that I would need comfort and I I did not know that for the last 14 years I would extend godly comfort to people that uh, are largely strangers to me. Um, But I have met with moms who have experienced loss um, at every stage, whether it's an eight week utero, whether it's eight years out. Um, And that has been hard, but that has been such a blessing to me because I know that there's hope on the other side. Um, What we're going to talk about um, now, I mean, I feel like Chrissy really set up the foundation in terms of how to love others, how to support others. And then this, we're just going to take a deep dive into grief recovery. What are some misunderstandings about grief and community? Well, you know, community is our middle name here. And, um, So we uh, rely heavily on our community groups, and honestly, sometimes they can't serve us completely, and I think we need to have permission to be okay with that. Uh, So one of the misunderstanding phrases that I thought of is, well, my community can help me. Well, not every community member has experienced grief. And for a season, we are called to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And that's Romans 12, verse 15. And from Ecclesiastes 3, verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There is definitely a difference between sympathy and empathy. And we have to learn what that is. Uh, Here's another phrase. I'll be fine after the funeral. I'll just stay busy. This is dangerous to think. Being busy doesn't heal grief, and it certainly doesn't deal with grief. It serves as a mask or a numbing agent. And when I say numbing agent, you can insert shopping, working more, one or two more glasses of wine at night to just kind of take the edge off. Prescription, let's up that dose. That's, those are numbing agents. And Grief becomes a part of our DNA and it does not completely go away. And grief will demand an audience. It must be faced. Every grief I've encountered has served to grow me and it's worth dealing with. Here's another phrase. No one gets how I'm feeling. I'll just keep saying I'm fine. Ecclesiastes 4, the latter part of verse 12 says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Grief is best navigated with others. While grief is personal and specific for individuals, even within families losing the same person, it is is a healing process that is not to be done in isolation. God functions within the Trinity and Jesus with his earthly ministry had the disciples. Here's another misunderstanding. If I have, and I've heard this, if I have an eternal perspective, doesn't a support group cast doubt? Well, 
when I think about that, I think, okay, would, would you counsel a substance abuser to just pray more? If someone is finding new life in Christ through the ministry of regeneration, which is another care ministry that Watermark offers, one of many, does that mean that they aren't relying on the Lord to do a work in their lives? Romans 5, 2 through 5 says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. People with an eternal perspective know this truth. And sometimes it's nice to have others on the journey voicing that truth to us. Here's a great one. Time heals all wounds. That is false. Uh, Time doesn't heal wounds, but God can. Revelation 21 verse 4 reminds me that one day he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying out for pain in pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And in Psalm 46 verse 1 it says God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. In my experience great grief changed me and I'm I'm grateful for that. Uh, the woman I was prior to February 2006 is gone forever. And um, I'm, uh, I, I would have liked accelerated growth in another way, but um, that's what the Lord used to really grow me and make me believe in what I believed. Paul David Tripp says, and I love this, God takes us where we do not want to go in order to produce in us what we could not produce on our own. I want to repeat that. God takes us where we do not want to go in order to produce in us what we could not produce on our own. I don't want to erase my grief journey. I would love to change my story, but it's God's story and it's how he grew me and taught me and everybody else's story. He is growing and teaching uh, in the midst of that. Um, The last one that I'm going to talk through on the misunderstandings is, um, and I've heard this too, I've gotten to the acceptance part of grief. Why do I still feel rotten? Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, if any of you have heard of her name and have heard of the five stages of grief, she was a hospice nurse who came up with the five stages of grief way back in 1969 as her work with terminally ill patients. And those five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And her work was based on helping the terminally ill patient get to the point of, okay, I am gonna die. But what has been mistakenly applied to the grieving heart is, these are your five stages. This is, this is the order that it's gonna go. And wouldn't it be nice if grief worked in a formula or a five-point plan? And it doesn't. And I have had people come up to me and say, I, I, I'm not angry anymore. I've gotten to acceptance. I know my mom has died. Why am I still mad? Because this doesn't apply to you. This, this is not, there's not a cutoff. I, when I was in the worst part of my grieving, I wanted a date. 
I wanted someone to tell me, okay, this is when you're not going to feel bad anymore. And I would circle that on my calendar. I would work towards that date, but it does not work like that. Reality is that grief is messy and it's common and perfectly normal for those stages to be a jumbled mess and that's okay. So what do you do as community? How do you um, help your community through grief? Know the available resources. And I love, and if you guys missed it, you can stop back by the front table. They have provided you with a list of care ministries that Watermark offers and complete with um, web links. That's great. So I would educate myself on what is available and we're talking about grief recovery specifically, but you may be talking to somebody who experiences a grief and then you just uncover that they have abuse in their background or they have an abortion story in their background or that may be what's tied up in their grief. So know about what we offer, know about when they meet. We have um, specific grief books up here that Jill's going to talk about later, and those are for um, children specifically. Um, but I mean, I'm a book nerd. I'm also a grief nerd. So I know about grief books and I have been pretty notorious of buying bulk of grief books and giving those out with the disclaimer, I don't want a book report. I'm not going to ask you about this. If this collects dust and you never read it, if you sell it, I don't, I don't even care about that. But it's going to be where you are. And um, that is mainly me saying, um, this book helped me. It blessed me. You may think it's garbage. That's fine. But here it is. Uh, okay. So then... Even if you haven't experienced a loss, because you're educated in what Watermark offers, because you're sitting here and you know about Grief Share now, you can physically take a friend to Grief Share. And that has happened before. And uh, you can just, and, and I have experienced it before. I have a friend who had a miscarriage and I was watching her physically wilt. And I finally just said, okay, this is when I'm picking you up. You're going to be in my small group. I'll pay for your study guide. What time do you want me there? And what she uncovered and discovered was that her grief was valid and she wasn't alone, which was huge. And she saw freedom and hope in the midst of her loss. I'm not saying I'm great. I was going anyway. So, you know, it's like, Let's carpool. But that is something that you as a friend can do. If they, let's say, for example, your friend has lost a parent. If they have children within the kinder through 12th grade age range, which Jill's going to talk about in a minute for shift, she's kind of a big deal, um, then take, take their kids. Say, hey, let's all go. Let's make Tuesday night grief recovery night. And Chrissy talked about significant dates. Remember significant dates. Acknowledge significant dates. And I would say, get note cards. 
And I mean, nobody gets mail anymore. They get Bath Body and Bath and Body Works, you know, coupons and stuff. So if, if they were to get a note in the mail saying, I know this is the day that your brother died and I want you to know that I'm thinking about you. That, that's a tangible reminder to someone that you took the time to get a note card, to write it down, to put it in an envelope, to get a forever stamp and to put it in the mail. Um, then remember that the one grieving, and Chrissy talked about this as well, they experience a new normal, which I don't really like that term, but it is what it is. And that six months after their loss could be the rawest part of their grief process. And also because you're educated from sitting in here that you know that the stages of grief do not apply. And, um, just be comfortable to sit in the middle of, of mess. And I am done, and I am going to let uh, Jill cook. She, like I said, she's kind of a big deal. Um, she is a child life specialist by trade, and she knows a lot about kids and grief, and Watermark has started a uh, relatively new ministry in the last six years. It's called SHIFT, and that is for uh, Hope for Grieving Kids and Teens, again, ages um, kinder through 12th grade. And we've seen a lot of change and a lot of hope come out of that. So I'm going to turn it over to Jill. Julie says she's done talking, but that's a joke, y'all. She'll, she'll jump in. Um, they didn't do the pictures in the big room on the big board so y'all could know who we were in our family because I wanted to poke fun at Julie so bad about this picture. It's the cutest picture of her family and her boys, but um, so I can't. Oh, yes, she does have two minions, as she calls them and refers to them. So um, piggyback on tons of things, and I'm going to kind of start. Interrupt me as we go, because usually when it comes to grief and kids, I can give you the hey, this is typical, but we know children aren't typical, right? They tell us by six months they're going to roll over. Nobody's does. Or they're rolling over at three months, right? So this whole typical world just is crap for us parents. Like, I admit it. Um, so jump in. Give me your scenarios. Ask, how, ask whatever questions you have. But in my very kid-friendly world and the world I live in and work with, I have three whole points for you. These are all my talking notes, so I know, it's pretty great. Um, okay, so my three points when working with kids who are dealing with death, who are grieving, who, you know, y'all are coming up and walking alongside, mom got a diagnosis, and what do I say to the kids? How do I help the kids what on earth, where do I start? Okay, so from a parent perspective, from a community group perspective, from a just neighbor, first one, educate on diagnosis. Educate on situation. Educate on enter your blank. Okay, whatever it is, educate. This is simple. This is below their developmental level, right? So if you have an eight-year-old who's, you know, second grade, smart, reading books, I'm going to go ahead and educate them like I'm talking to a five-year-old. Not because I'm talking dumb to them or talking down to them, because they're in crisis. They are in a mode of, I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. 
people are whispering and keeping secrets from me. And you're really, I mean, a lot of times the first person who's like, I, I, the way I introduce myself is I'm, I'm Jill. And my job is to make sure you understand what's going on. And they look at me and I was like, you know what that means? You can ask me anything and I'm not going to lie to you. And I am like birthday cake to kids, you know, and it, because it's, what do we say? We're like, hey, can you go to your room and play? Mom needs to talk to Sally, Johnny, Freddie, who, whoever you're visiting, right? And so we are going to come alongside the kids and say, are you scared? Do you know what's going on? Do you have questions? What words have you heard? And so let's educate. Okay, what words have you heard? Do you know what that means? Okay, mourn, grief. If you haven't heard those words before or been around them, they might as well be a green burger, booger, burger, whatever it is, right? Like grief, I don't, I don't know what that is. Is it a sauce you put on something or is it scary? Because they make it sound scary, but then everyone kind of gives a little half smile when they talk about it because we don't want to scare the kids, right? So educate, just simple words, simple phrases. Hey, Sam was diagnosed with cancer. Have you heard the word cancer? Yeah, I've heard it. People have been saying it. Do you know what it is? Not a clue, right? Okay, you're right. It is the part of their body that's not working correctly. Their brain has something that's not supposed to be there. Her heart isn't beating like it's supposed to. So the doctors are going to do blank, right? Super simple words. And because everybody likes a guide, right? Because we don't know what to say. This is on your sheet of paper. It's on the bottom. It's called, What Will I Tell the Children? This is specific to grief. So how do I disclose a death? But again, insert that last word. Instead of how do I disclose a death? How do I disclose cancer? How do I disclose? It's simple phrases, simple words. It literally says, say this, don't say this. Okay. Yeah. And so that's the link online. You can download the PDF and you have it. You can order books. They cost about a dollar a book. Again, like Julie keeps stocks of note cards to send people. <laughs> I have a closet full of these that I send people. <laughs> kind of creepy, but you know. Um, but it's fantastic, right? Like possible behaviors. What do I say? What do I not say? How do kids understand? All right, I gave you that. There's the link. Okay, here's your golden ticket. And then the second link on there is kids worry too. What are some things I can do with kids? What are behaviors that I see? Is it typical? Is it not? Again, I love the word typical and I hate the word typical because that's just a range. But you can tell when a kid is, I'm inserting new information and I'm kind of processing it versus I'm struggling, right? And so this is the kids worry too, kind of gives you some um, tidbits of things to do. But we are gonna educate on the diagnosis. The second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna give the kid a job, right? Kids are kids, okay? Your job is to also do kid things, right? Your job is to play video games. Your job is to be a friend to Sam. Sam's mom was diagnosed with whatever, and so Sam might have some big feelings, okay? Your job is to be a friend to Sam. Sam, your job is to let us know if you need things. Whatever their job is, right? Allow them to play, allow them to be, allow them to ask questions and be the freedom of a kid. But do you know their other really big job is? Is to cry, is to play, is to be angry, right? I have kids all the time, like literally the first five weeks of shift is like, 
Are you allowed to be mad? Are you sure? Yes. And by the first three weeks, it's always no. Are you allowed to cry? Are you allowed to be angry? Right? By about week three, they're like, I get this question. I'm going to get it right. Yes. Okay. Are you allowed to kick a ball when you're mad? Yes, you are. Right? What do we do when we're mad? We, Julie listed them, we go shopping, we have a glass of wine, we, you know, distract ourselves in a good book, right? Those are called coping behaviors. When taken too far, they're negative coping behaviors. That's a whole nother class. But for right now, those are just things that we do to cope. They distract us, right? They give you a moment to breathe and then you can carry on, okay? As an adult, your job is to model good behaviors and grief behaviors, right? You should be crying. If your best friend died, if your husband died, if you lost a baby, you should cry. It is sad. It's not fair. It's hard. If we hide our emotions, why on earth would the kids not hide theirs from you, right? And so I always tell kids, are you allowed to be mad? Are you allowed to be angry? Are you allowed to cry? And it's yes, okay? You are never going to get in trouble for your behavior, for your feelings. You will never get in trouble for your feelings because those are God-given. It's how we respond to our feelings that are questionable, right? Can I kick a ball? Yes, right? I can kick a ball into the wall of the outside of the house, outside the garage, as hard as I want. Do it. Can I kick a ball in the house? Probably not. But guess what? Can I hit a pillow? Absolutely. You can punch that pillow in any room in the house as long as your brother's not underneath it, right? (laughs) Like there are stipulations to everything, but there are positive coping in hitting and kicking their kids. They're going to do it anyhow, right? And you can take the 15-year-old boy or the three-year-old boy. They're all going to kick and hit. It's where you give them the appropriate outlet to do it, right? Kids need to be kids, and that's their job. Guess what? Teens, tweens, they still need that social time. And so a lot of times I have kids tell me, I just sit in the house, and I'm bored, and everybody's sitting around crying. Okay, there's a level of show them good emotions, and also get them out. Let them go do regular. They want to be normal. They want to be regular. And so we heard, what's her name? I just lost it. Chrissy, jeez. Thank you. Chrissy said, like, pick up somebody's kids and take them out. Okay. When you pick them up, please do not take them and read them these books. Okay. They probably send it and let them do that in their bedroom. Pick them up and guess what? Go take them out for ice cream. Go take them to a movie. Take them to Jump Street. Whatever you're going to do. Big emotions, big feelings, big behaviors. Just get them out and let them play, right? And just bring them into a fun environment. Kids need to be kids. So, We're going to make sure they know what's going on. We're educating them. We're going to give them a job. And then we are going to add Christ, right? So my big five verses, they're in the shift curriculum, so they're beautiful. Um, I have five very kid-friendly verses that you can pray with them. You can put on note cards, whatever you want to do. Um, A lot of times when we say, you know, add Christ in the conversation and make sure they have comfort and faith, It's really scary for a kid to hear, just pray to God. He hears your prayers and he'll answer them. Let mommy live is a really honest prayer for a kid. 
And when that may not happen, you don't want a child to struggle with their faith or struggle with their relationship with God. So we have to give them truths to hold on to that can be applied in any facet, in any situation. I'm the biggest component of miracles. Lord, let mommy live, right? Like we are all going to pray that. But we also have to understand childlike faith, you know, and we have to not scare them. We want them to run with Christ their whole life, not run away from Christ in crisis, right? And so Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how is that huge? Because last week, mom, Sam, Jimmy, and Tom were fine, you know? Today, we got that news, and after they pass, or after that diagnosis is gone, or after 22 more surgeries, God is the same, right? So Jesus Christ is the same. And so letting kids kind of mull over that in the realm of yesterday, today, and forever, right? And so um, second is Ecclesiastes 4, 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. And so that's part of giving a kid a job is just saying, you know, you can help your brother out. If you have siblings and saying, this is a lot for you, you know your brother's there with you. Now, is your brother, even if two boys have the same grief they're dealing with, their responses are not going to be the same. Their grief does not look the same. But this kind of allows a child to say, hey, I don't need to isolate. I don't need to withdraw in a dark room and be alone. Like, two people are better than one, you know? And so that's why I always, I love this verse too, where I'll say my kids or anybody would be like, why are we going to visit them? Or it's, you know, it's dark and dreary at grandma's house. And I'm always like, you know, grandma's sick, but two people are better than one. And so I want you to make her day, you know, and things like that. And so it's just a really applicable verse. Um, Hebrews 13, 58, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. Okay. That doesn't promise life in there. It doesn't promise no hurt, but it promises forever with you. And so just what a rich truth to hold on to. Psalms 56, three, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And so that's so applicable for kids of all ages to just really be able to say, when you're afraid, what can you do? Christ calls us, the Bible tells us to trust God. And I'm afraid, you know, and I can always just say, I'm so afraid that X, Y, and Z is going to get worse or the surgery won't go or that so-and-so will get more sick. And I say, but you know, when I'm afraid, I'm going to put my faith in God. And the Bible tells us that that's, you know, what we should do. And then my fifth one is um, Matthew 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And there's your promise for grief. It doesn't say the promise of life. It doesn't say the promise of no hurt. It doesn't say the promise of no suffering. It says those who mourn will be comforted. And so I just think that's such a rich truth to lay into with kids. Is it's, you know, again, you know, we talk about it all the time at church is that this world is broken. And so grief is going to exist for children. But... Let's comfort them. Come together. Um, what I miss? I know you're dying to talk. Bring it. No? Um, okay. Questions? I'm going to pause. Y'all have scenarios? 
situations? Just unleashed a I know. Did I overwhelm you? So um, I don't have this story that I had to walk through, and I'm really, really thankful for it. Um, but my background, just Julie touched on it. I'm a child life specialist, so I've worked in the hospital, and I spent um better part of eight years, give or take, walking alongside families who had experienced trauma. And so a lot of that trauma would be the loss of a mom or dad or the loss of a sibling or brother through any facet of injuries um, or accidents or things like that. And then I went on to start a child life program for hospice. So it was well child, so children who weren't sick or injured, but who had parents who were dying on hospice or grandparents. And so I spent three years doing that. And now my current role in the super fun one, which the job title is just awesome, is I'm a professor of death and dying, right? The job title you all want. It's like people are like, what do you teach? And I'm like, death chew on that right <laughs> you know so I teach at UTD and um, I teach a graduate and undergraduate course in death and dying and then I teach child life there too so um, I am not I've walked with many people through grief and loss but I have not had the heartache that people like the Nicholsons have or you know others who have walked alongside but I have the brain knowledge of what is typical and what to expect so I am the keeper of books and resources. And so I brought, I use this discretionarily, some of my favorites and some of my not so favorites because what I like doesn't necessarily mean what wouldn't work well for you and what y'all would like. So I brought them, flipped through them. You can look at them. Um, on your sheet of paper, I put my two favorites because y'all's favorites are my favorites, right? And so I just like you to know um, I miss you. This, it's just so simple okay it's really simply written I mean if you're reading it to like a 10 year old they're going to be like mom this is the worst book you've ever read me because it's slow and simple and boring um but sometimes when we're dealing with things scary I think it's kind of nice um but it's beautiful because it gives you these little prompts when you're like I don't know what to say I don't know what to do this is hard grandma died how am I going to present it guess what you can just read this little cute book and you say what about you? What happened to you? <laughs> or what happened to your situation? And so that gives you prompts. So for the mom who's incredibly overwhelmed and was like, so-and-so died and I don't even know how to tell the kids. I don't even know what to say. It's a real simple storybook to buy. Amazon delivers it to their house. It's fantastic. Um, and then the second is this one is Since My Brother Died. This one's a little more focused on... Um, feelings and emotions and behaviors and so I always you know sometimes it's hard for kids to be like but my brother didn't die my aunt died or something and you kind of say you know I know your situation's different but like this was the luck of the draw I turned to this great illustration page he has big emotions and big feelings and so this book is not so much about understanding death and the like situation of death but it's like I'm really mad and I'm really scared, and I'm really sad. And so it goes through good outlets for when you have big emotions. Um, it's English and Spanish, so if you have anybody who um, prefers one language over the other, it's kind of a nice little additional bonus. But, I mean, this is cute. He says, I used to love to paint because it was my brother's favorite thing to do, and since he died, I don't want to paint anymore. And, like, I think that's just a real truth of 
you know, that is kind of how kids react. So those are my good storybooks. Those are ones I kind of like. I have a lot of those over there too. See, I told you she's a big deal. She's a professor, and I have a license to drive a car. That's it. Um, it's super questionable. Um, okay, so the handouts that you guys picked up, this, um, this is grief share and shift specific, and um, it's just some frequently asked questions that we have gotten um, over the last few years of what it is and what it offers. And uh, I'm really thankful that you guys are here to um, learn more about grief recovery because statistically, 100% of us are gonna die. And so I, you guys are on the front end of figuring out how to love your friends well and to love your family well and to love your children well. And um, we, we're here as a resource. The, um, the email listed on that sheet is shift at watermark.org and that comes to me. And um, we've overwhelmed you with a lot of information and you may have a question two or three days from now, so please let us know. And um, we would let, I mean, if you guys have any questions, we are happy to answer those. We overwhelmed them. I, it's not cool to talk about that. No. Oh, we're being recorded. Okay. Hi, I'm Amanda. I do lead a small group um, at Grief Share on Monday mornings for the women's, but... Um, I have a two and a half year old and my mom passed away two weeks before he was born. And so he didn't know her obviously, but he feels like he does because we have photos of her all over the house. And um, it's been hard lately now that he's becoming more verbal because he knows we talk about grandma Poppy, but he wants to know why we can't go to her house. And so I'm like trying to talk to him on a two year old level You cut me off. No, we're good. <laughs> um, it's like, well, you've technically been to Grandma Poppy's house because you go see your papa all the time. And like when we're there, I'm like, well, yeah, this was Grandma Poppy's bedroom. And I'm just trying to dumb it down for him and also not get overly emotional. <laughs> so that's just been my struggle because like she was never a part of his life here on earth, but she's still very present in my world. And I don't want to forget about her and so I'm being very intentional about talking about her and I don't want to hide the photos so I just didn't know if you had any tips for that situation is this oh it's on okay um that's great and that's that's the classic scenario right is like okay like I've explained it once and I love toddlers and preschoolers because they're just so unpredictable and they're literally what I call repeats because you are like blah 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 and give this great story to them and you explain it and like two hours later they're like hey or where's mommy or you know you're like did you hear what I said like you know because it's repeat it's developmentally their brains are not there everything you teach them just plan to wake up and reteach it the next morning okay that's why I like storybooks because you just read the same thing and eventually they start reading it with you and then about three months later then they start internalizing it and getting it right but my 
it's they're harsh but they work my three words for toddlers and preschoolers and they're the d words death died i'm dying but death and died and dying okay all gone I mean, it's great because we get it. Like Cheerios are there and then they're all gone when you chuck them on the floor and I'm not picking them back up. But guess what? The next morning, we put them back in that high chair and we re-give them Cheerios because we're glutton for punishment. So that all gone just comes back the next day, right? Or Patsy's all gone. Oh, you're losing your mind. Okay, look, he came back. Hurry, right? Like, so all gone is not permanent. Dead is permanent. And I know that hurts my daughter heart and my, you know, that hurts my heart to say dead. But that's a society thing that we are scared of the word dead because (laughs) Julie took my joke and I start off every class and every lecture is like, you're going to die. Like you are not better, sweeter, better Christian, better mother, but you are not immune from death. We are all going to die. We are all going to be dead. So why do we not use those words, right? All gone is not permanent. Death is permanent. Okay, so what is dead? They have died. They are not here. And so we always talk a lot about like Grammy used to sleep. Did you call her Grammy? Is that what you said? Or grandma? Okay, grandma used to sleep here. But remember, she died, so she's not here anymore. You know, and she's in heaven. She's with Christ. Whatever words you want to use, sometimes those become really big, and that's where our loss gets. This is used to be grandma's bed, but she died. You can see her in pictures, but she's not here anymore. You know, and sometimes we add, I call it the fluff or the cotton or the bonus pretty words. We add those for us because they help our heart and they make us feel better, right? Grandma's in a better place with angels or with God, you know, that makes me feel better. To my two, three, four-year-olds who this is all new information, I need it short, simple, and sweet and words I can repeat, and that rhymed, and I didn't mean it to. Um, but, you know, grandma is dead. What's dead mean? She's not here. I can't see her. I want to add all these bonus words, you know, because it makes me feel better. That's perfect. Like, if you ask a two-year-old and they said dead means I can't talk to them, I'd be like, you are so smart. As they get four and five and six, and you say, you know, Grandma used to sleep here. She died. Her heart wasn't working like it used to. And so she got sick and she died. You can add more to the story. And you can say, you know, she's with Christ in heaven. Okay. I would caution you on saying the she watches over us or she um, she's with you always. Yeah, or she's flying among Whatever your words are and I love them because they comfort me and make me feel better but I'm sorry if you're a three-year-old who sleeps in their own bed finally and aren't in your bed or crawling out of the crib how creepy is it for somebody she watches over you at night <laughs> right like that yeah it comforts me for me to say my grandpa is with me but that's also really scary if I'm a school age or preschooler Heck, probably a few 12 or 13-year-olds are like, they're flying around my room? Great. Will you check the closet like three more times before you put me to leave the door open tonight? And I'd like to add 
Is this on? I'd like to add that um, I have little people that struggle with anxiety. And um, it's, we have used this before in terms of Psalm 139, 16, that our days are numbered. And Todd, our senior pastor, has said multiple times, we are immortal until the Lord calls us home. And so, you know, I can tell my guys, they've known about our babies since forever. And we have told them about that and just how, you know, you're, you're here until God's done with you. So, I mean, I, I'm not hearing you say that, but I'm just, I wanted to add that just from the overall umbrella of, you know, we can freak kids out by, you know, you're going to die. Yeah. So when educating, when supporting is like really simple words and dead, dying, you know, they're, they're harsh to our language. We feel like it. It's not. It's normal. It is culture. We are all going to die. And so if we can get better at saying that, you know, like, again, I, I love the, like, I'm sorry about your loss. That's fluff. Like, I just feel like it's fluff. You know, it's like that stuffing to make the bear a little squishier. I'm sorry your mom died. Like, that's so specific. And that's like, you know my story. You you are supporting me. I'm sorry for your loss is Walmart and CVS's Christmas card aisle. You know, or whatever. It's just, it's so not personal. And so if I can say man, grandma, grandma was my mom. I miss my mom. She's dead. Like that shows your emotion. It's simple words, you know? And so you're going to have some processes to work through. Like just when you think he grasps it, he's going to have a brain shift or a developmental shift. And you're going to be like, oh, I'm starting this game all over. So the simpler and more concrete and specific, you can say, where you just repeat it the same. I always kind of tell parents when we do the diagnosis or the like kind of grief talk at the hospitals and stuff, because you guys get me for this like snippet of time and then we send you home and you're like, what did that lady say and tell me to do? As I tell you guys, like, we'll make two phrases and we'll say, you know, brother died, brother is not here. And it's, you're like, who are you talking to? Uh, nine month old but you can't believe how incredibly easy that is when you know then the four-year-old walks up and is like where's grandma well where is grandma oh yeah grandma died grandma is not here you're right you're right why were you looking for her and then you can go into all those conversations but if you have the two-liner that they then you know it's again empowering we're educate you know you're right where is brother brother died brother is not here right and it just reinforces it and then it's easier to build on and add more to same thing like you know maybe a death hasn't happened but grief or diagnosis has mary is sick her brain is not working or her foot is not working or her body has extra things that are yucky for her tummy. You know, whatever word you want, they don't have to be medically correct. Like yucky for your tummy encompasses like 90% of diagnoses you get at the hospital because those are my favorite words. We know what yucky is and we know what tummy is and we know when our tummy feels yucky, right? And so 
Mary's sick and she has something yucky in her tummy. And so you know what? We're going to support her. We're going to pray for her. We're going to play with her kids because she's having a sad time. And guess what? You have just done the most incredible, like six year and under diagnosis education ever. And then you can teach your kid what it's like to walk alongside of somebody going through a struggle. Does that help or is it overwhelming? (laughs) Half and half. We'll take it. (laughs) I feel like I do have a lot of tools in my tool belt because of grief share. And so I am really careful not to like stuff my emotions in front of him. But um, as we're like looking through old photo albums, he'll be like, oh, that's grandma. She lives in heaven with Jesus. I want to go to heaven so I can see her and I can see Jesus. And so it's like just the whole death thing. It's just not registering yet. And I don't expect it to fully. Um, And like he knows he has a grandma here and he knows he has a grandma in heaven. And we're just trying to pour more truth into him and talk about heaven. And I mean, once you lose a loved one, heaven does become more real to you. And so um, we have a book, um, about heaven and it's like really dumbed down Mm -hmm. for kids and like how great heaven is and how we don't get to go there just whenever we want. And so we're, we're trying, (laughs) it's an ongoing thing, but it's hard for me to not get like so emotional at the drop of a hat. And so I'm like, for example, he had a tantrum the other day and I said flippantly, wouldn't you just like to obey your mother for once? And him being a typical two-year-old said, wouldn't you like to obey your mother for once? And I said, well, you know what? My mom's dead. And then it just hit me like a ton of bricks because I said it out loud to him just like that. I said, you know what? My mom's dead. I would love to listen to her, but I can't. And he just looked at me, dead? And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about death again. And so it is kind of just on repeat, but that just is comforting for you to say that that's how I should approach it with a preschooler. It is. It's repeat and it's not for the faint at heart. Like... Potty training is not for the faint at heart. Death education of any child is not for the faint of heart. It's hard. And it tests every like maternal instinct you have because you're like, we just talked about this. And it's going to be repeat and cry. And mommy can't talk about this right now because mom's sad. And that's a fair answer when educating a child about death. And that's honesty, too. I mean, that's, that's showing him that emotions are okay and that it's okay to be sad. And there are times that we're going to be sad. Yeah. But I always, you know, when we, when we add in religion, because religion has an abstract nature to it. I can't, this rock is green. Like, I have to say... Y'all, I have a rock in my hand, and it is green. And you're like, I have faith, and I trust you. And then I'm like, what color is my rock? <laughs> you're like, you're a lunatic, right? It's kind of sometimes how describing faith to a concrete individual is, right? Like, two-year-olds, like, this is red, and that, <laughs> this is purple. It is always going to be purple. This is how they see the world at younger ages, right? And so when we start saying, you know, mom's in heaven, it's kind of a far distant land like Disneyland. I have heard you talk about Disneyland, and I heard that place is amazing. (laughs) And you tell me that one day I get to go, and you show me pictures of it, and you tell me that they have lollipops the size of my head. All truth, 
but I haven't been, so I just this. And so, yeah, for him to be like, I want to go to heaven. You told me that it is perfect. Sign me up, right? Take me to Disneyland. Take me to heaven. Great. It's just we don't get to go yet. And that's fair enough to say. Like, it's truth, right? You get to go to heaven. You will get to meet grandma. You will. Just not yet. And so that's where it becomes hard as you can add all that or you can also just know that and say grandma is dead and we don't get to see her right now do you want a go-go you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's kind of how my life goes (laughs) any other questions just a really quick question is grief share appropriate for um like someone who maybe hasn't lost physically someone but like loss a relationship. I know we have divorce care, but like someone who's grieving in another way from a different kind of loss, or is it specifically for loss of a person? That's a great question. And I would say that it is specific to the physical loss of someone because yes, there is divorce care. Divorce is a legitimate grief, but there is a ministry specific to that. We've had um, families who have inquired of shift for divorced kids and the kids in shift would love to think that they saw their dad every other weekend. So that's why divorce care is specific. Shift is specific. We had, um, we had one son come to grief share because his dad had a terminal illness and he stopped midway through because he was like, I'm not even there yet. I don't even know how I'm going to feel when he really does die and his mother came and her, so it's her husband and she stopped coming cause she was like, I need to be with him on Tuesday night. If I'm going to be anywhere, I need to be with him. And so it's, it's just different, but yeah, great question. Thank you. We've even had the foster care kids come through who have truly lost their mom and dad, but they can go find them. They can go see the, you know, and some would say, no, they can't, they, you know, but the concept of the potential is there. And when you are trying to tell a five-year-old that mother is dead and she won't be there for blah, 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 you know? And so I think it's in the works down the road for other just helping ministries and stuff. Like I've heard lots of people say we need this type of curriculum for more but I you know because pet loss or things like that they're hard and kids sometimes grief is stronger from the dog they've known since birth but we really just say human loss and and I would say that there was a man who came to grief share because his dog died and that was not really uncovered until weeks in and there was another guy in his group who had just lost his wife and had five children and he was like I'm having a really hard time with, I want to be respectful, but this is two different things. And so now it's very, we are very upfront with this is a physical loss of a human being in your life. So, um, I guess this question is more towards you, Julie. So, my sister um, lost her son in the NICU in, in the summer. Mm. So, they have two of their embryos to go back for. So they're probably going to start trying again in the summer. So what are the emotions? Because obviously the emotions are going to come back. 
when they do try again. So what would be some resources or like how did you cope with those emotions? Well, I am sort of an addendum to my story. Um, We became parents because our first son was born for us. We, um, he came to us through uh, adoption from exotic Fort Worth. And then we became that family, the five percenters that he's four months old and I get pregnant. And it's kind of like, you know, man says impossible and God says, hold my holy water. And, um, and I would say I was wrongly terrified during that pregnancy. And um, he wanted to come at 29 weeks. So I was petrified. And I, I would encourage her with enjoy that pregnancy. And all children are a gift from God. And all situations are up to God. And um, they may or may not work. And um, we still wanted to be parents. That's why we pursued adoption. Uh, and the Lord's going to show them how to do that and how to navigate that. But it's, it's tricky. But I would say just to be with her. Kind of to touch on what you talked about a little bit. Um, so I have a three and a half year old and about a year before she was born, I lost my dad and my um, sister. And so have pictures of them in her room, talk to her all the time about who they are, you know, and, and who they would be. That would be her Papa Dave and her aunt Sam. And so now she's, she's in that inquisitive age where she's asking questions about everything and which is fine. And we use the D word in our house, but the problem I'm running into it just recently is it's almost, it's not like she's obsessed with it, but like frozen. Well, Anna and Elsa's mom and dad died, you know? And so she'll, she'll say that in front of other kids and it's not a problem in our house, but when we're like, we're at a play date or we're around her friends, it's almost like, I don't know if it makes the other parents uncomfortable because then the, then her friends are asking the parents like, what does death mean? What is dead? And so I don't want to like, I don't want to, but I would, don't want her to feel like death is a bad thing, but I'm, I will, I don't know. I just don't know what to do about that. <laughs> Most Disney parents are dead. So let's, I, I've always had a problem with that. Always had a problem with that. It is, it is, one, of, it is one of my favorite concepts of Disney. Is, um, it, y'all, like, I, I just, this is the platform that I teach my class on is I can't change culture. Like, I can't change American culture when we dance around death. It's like a puddle. You're like, kids don't step in it. You know, we see it. Death happens. <laughs> We're just going to walk this way. Like, that's, it's just our culture. It's just our society. And, like, embrace it. It's your story. It is the way you're going to win hearts and teach others about the Lord. And it's the way that your daughter's going to have positive coping in life. And so, you know, like, say... I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm the queen of just like kind of blowing it off where I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, my dad and sister died. And so my daughter's very aware of that. Like I have really great books if I did scare your kids, you know, or something like that. <laughs> like it, but it's going to happen. And you know, and like, let her be the little light that when grief happens to that play group that they're like, 
I know who knows about death, you know, like I know who's walked through it. And so that doesn't help your mom heart in that big old black cloud of mom guilt that we all get to lug behind us sometimes, you know, but I also, you know, you can, she's young. You can't really teach her about cultural norms. That's really good to talk about at home, but once we're outside, we don't, it, I, you know, yeah, no, I don't want to put any negativity and I think, go well, ahead. Wait, uh, you want to have the sex talk with her at some point, correct? So then you don't necessarily want her to be talking about that in the cafeteria. That's something that you guys have talked about. The same with death and um, the same with Santa Claus. I mean, in case anyone here knows, he's not real. Do not let the secret out. Um, and, and we have... I mean, we don't do Santa Claus, but we have told our guys, hey, this is probably not something you need to share with your buddies, but this is the truth, and you want her to come to you with questions, and you want her to know, hey, mommy is going to tell me the truth, and I know mommy's going to tell me the truth, and that's going to be across the board from here on out, so... Um, I would encourage her to even talk about that stuff, but also to come back and say, hey, why don't we just kind of talk about that stuff? And so I don't. I, I had a similar feeling when, um, you know, my kids came home and said, you know, Jesus died on the cross or they talk about Jesus dying. And I'm like, oh, yes, he did. Mm -hmm. And how do I even kind of like we've had grandparents die, but my kids weren't very old. And my my oldest is only four right now. But just kind of the same of, um, you know, just my kids talking about Jesus dying. Mm -hmm. But he came back. <laughs> so there's a difference there. There, hold on, um, it, it's hard, and I wish I could say, like, use the word dead and it all goes away, but again, this, this is why we have these conversations, and this is why we have to sit in a room of women and say, how can we change the world, is like, these are those baby steps of we, like, got to educate our kids that, you know, yeah, death happens. You know, and I walk alongside of you. I have, a, I have four, just set the platform, 12-year-old girl. I'm sorry, right? Um, Six-year-old boy and three-year-old boy and then a five-month-old um, baby who's our foster baby right now. And so we are walking the gamut of it all. But I had my three-year-old tell me, you're not the boss of me. I am Captain America and I can't die. And I was like, okay where does Captain America live now? And I just went there with him. I was like, where's Captain America live now? I don't know the answer. So thank gosh he didn't either. And he was like, I not know. And I was like, do you know why? Because he's dead. And my kids, you know, like we read these as nighttime books. They're just, <laughs> they're, I want to choose a book from mommy's bookshelf. Go do it, dude. Like <laughs> some of them aren't so great, but they actually really like Brave Bart just because it's cats, you know, like just throwing it out there. Um, but I was like, you know, and I just had to say, like, where is Captain America, right? Like he, he escaped death for a while per the comic books and stuff, but he's not here now, you know, and stuff. And so we then can again recircle and say, death happens to everyone, you know. And so uh, my kids are the weird kids who will talk about death and I... I just like disclaimer, like y'all, sorry, I'm a professor of death. Like 
it's kind of normal in our house. And people kind of giggle and they're like, she's weird. And they walk away. But they're also the ones that then call me and was like, so this person in my community group got diagnosed with blah, blah, blah. That's why, you know, I have some of these already typed out in these lists because I'm like, hey, I'll email you when I get home. Here's my list of scriptures. Here's my list of books. Here's how you walk alongside. So, I mean, be the weirdo with me. But it is hard. And you can say, hey, these pictures are here. You can talk to me about it. Let's just play at playgroup. And, you know, mommy wants a break about talking about Sam, you know, or something like that. And, and you can be real honest and stuff and say, I need a playgroup so that I can just have fun and not be sad. Can we do that? And sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't because they're preschoolers, and they love us. Um, so my father-in-law passed away in March, and my oldest is nine. Okay. And of my boys, he's the most aware of grandpa not being there. Uh-huh. And so we use the word death, and he knows that he's in heaven. Um, so two things happen a lot. A, whenever my husband and I go on a date, my son is, like, clinging to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't want us to leave. He's, a, he's afraid we're not going to come back. And we have to reassure him we're going to come back. Um, but then, of course, in my head, I'm like, but we could. I mean, like, and I try not to do that. My husband's super logical. Um, and so, and then the holidays are coming. And, like, we go to my mother-in-law's house. You know, they run to the back where Grandpa typically would be. And he's not there. And then they're like, we tell them, where is Grandpa? Grandpa's in heaven. So they, they yeah. conceptualize. But he is so worried about us leaving and he doesn't want to go to heaven because he doesn't want to lift, miss us and you know mm-hmm. we tell him that his brothers are going somewhere no I don't want him to go I don't want them to go I want them to stay here with us and I'm just like kind of at a loss at what to say Tuesday nights don't work for us to come yeah. to grief share and if my mother-in-law is doing it at First Baptist in Garland um, and so I'm just kind of I don't know what to tell him to help him understand, you know, to not be afraid or, or, or a phrase to even use with him so that I have something I can say and my husband can say or my mother-in-law can say when we do pull out of her driveway and she's watching them and he's mm-hmm. worried and wants to FaceTime us while we're gone. It's just, it's just hard. It is hard. And that's, that's a truthful situation and that's where kids will typically go next. They either verbal vomiting like, dead to the world or they're like so fearful to let anybody else go because they lost somebody and that they don't know how to navigate it I'd go back to my second point is give him a job okay and like I mean I'm talking like weekly jobs hey I talked to mother-in-law grandma granny okay I talked to granny she was kind of having a hard week she's missing grandpa okay I have to catch on to all these grandma and grandmas. Um, I talked to granny. She's missing grandpa. I'm missing grandpa this week. Let's write grandma a card. Let's bake grandma, grandpa's favorite cookies. Let's take grandpa's favorite movie. So when you go over, because mom and dad are going to go to dinner, because dad needs to take mom to dinner. Let's get grandpa's favorite movie and you and grandma can watch it and talk about grandpa. Maybe not yet. It's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but it's coming. Grandpa's favorite, favorite Disney show, right? <laughs> but give the job, right? Give him. We all want to feel productive. We all want to feel good, right? Like, and if you can say, 
your job is to take care of grandma. Your job is to do something, bake cookies, write a card, um, anything, wrap, wrap a present for grandma or take a game. Grandpa used to like Yahtzee. Yahtzee's really great at math skills. Nine-year-olds love it. You know, I used to play this. Your dad used to play this with grandpa when he was a kid. You know, and some of it you have to pull in dad or call grandma and what would help you and not hurt you. You know, like sometimes those cookies were not there yet. Like I don't want grandpa's favorite food yet because it's too raw. And so sometimes it's let's play a board game that grandpa or that dad liked to play with grandpa way back when and you know and things like that but that job go back to the job because I can't give you a phrase that's like mom needs dinner you know because he's gonna be so different but if you can give him that job he takes ownership of it and it opens and facilitates conversation too so if you say let's pull pictures or let's do grandpa's favorite cook you know what I remember baking these or, you know, even dad can pull in some of that. And then you can have the sweet memory time and answer some of those questions too. The fear will subside and it will go on, but you're still fresh. And like fresh can last up to three years. Okay. People love to say like fresh is like one month after the death. Fresh, I mean, and it's going to wave and flow. So, like, summer might be amazing, and you guys can go on dates, and there's no tears, and all of a sudden, like, back in school for three weeks, and he will not leave your side. Well, guess what? There's a change in how much he's with you. And so, some of those fears come right back up to the surface. So, no, it's going to ebb and flow. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, you guys, it's time for you to go pick up your hobbits. Thank you so much for being here, and um, we we are weird. We like to talk about grief, and um, we more we so like to talk about the hope that is back there. So um, please, if you have any more questions or if any come up, uh, shift at watermark.org is um, me, and I can certainly get anything to Jill, and we're just so grateful for you guys. Thank you.